1: We go Uh, with Jeremy Scott.
2: Monday night from the cold, dark depths of a secret dungeon somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest. I am Jeremy Scott. Welcome to our third week of weeknight shows. Appreciate you being with us. We always try to bring you fascinating shows and subjects that always keep you wondering and guessing what really is going on. Is everything as it appears? Skype is ITP51. Phone and numbers 503-506-0396. Tonight on the program, we're actually going to tie a few things together that we've been discussing of late. And honestly, I'll even go further. I think we'll expand even upon tonight's conversation and this past Saturday night's conversation coming up shortly. And I look forward to really being able to expand upon some of these topics more in depth with five nights a week. Recently, I've been talking about some apparent divine intervention happening With the appearance of strange objects, otherwise known as UFOs or UAP, that are appearing over areas where they're being seen by a lot of people. It was a couple of months ago that I talked about the apparent divine intervention. This force from the sky, it appeared to be UFOs. Soldiers, when they called home to their parents, were saying it's as if the sky lit up and the Russian forces were expelled. Now, there's been bloodshed on either side. When there's an active war happening, I think whoever is behind these objects, whoever is piloting them, whether physically or with their mind or otherwise, that they might be definitely interested in what is going on. Certainly, interested in how us humans are behaving and we've been misbehaving lately and we've been giving them quite the show. And over Ukraine, there have been these cosmic and phantom UFOs. For folks who are going to be listening on Ground Zero Radio with Clyde Lewis, that's the topic of tonight's program. We talked about those UFO sightings that were happening over Ukraine that have Escalated since the war began, and if there is some other higher advanced civilization behind that, if you didn't hear the program pulling back the veil, well, I highly encourage it. But between all that, the, the lights appearing over Ukraine, the divine intervention that the troops have reported over there, I also have heard in the last week that there have been reports that the Ukrainian forces have pushed back the Russians and have recaptured some territory. And if that's the case, we could argue that it is because of the money that the U.S. has sent over there, arming them, basically. Uh, We could also argue, I guess, based on the reports, that there could be some higher, higher power or higher being here. And we know that Ezekiel in the Bible saw this wheel in the sky, but from my understanding, it is not the only example of a UFO or an unidentified flying object in the Bible, and I understand that this is a very perceptual topic because when you read text, text that was written thousands of years ago, it does leave a little bit up to interpretation. I'm pleased to have here tonight, author of the book UFOs in the Bible. His name is Ken Goodsword, and he has written about some of these ancient truths that he says are are really just kind of hidden in plain sight. Ken, welcome to the program. It's so good to have you here.
1: Thank you. It's uh, it's awesome to be here, Jeremy. It's a real privilege to uh, to be able to talk about this stuff with you guys and to share it with your listeners.
2: Really looking forward to it. You say these are ancient truths. So how ancient, Ken?
1: Um, well, that's a good question. We don't really know when um, much of the Bible was written. Um, <clears throat> there, are, there are certain um, kind of pinpoints where you can stick a pin in and go, well, that actually relates to historical material. <clears throat> um, one of the big ones is the Babylonian captivity of Israel. Um, so, uh, basically, uh, f- f- there there's about a two hundred year period where israel is um, is essentially captured and uh, taken as prisoners of war to uh, Babylon. and uh, they this this occurs under the reign of several of the Babylonian kings that are uh, well-known historical figures. Uh, such as um, Nebuchadnezzar and um, a few of the other kings. So it is very well recorded and uh, historical. So, so that part is um, is quite easy to uh, to date, and that puts us in, um, ar- in around uh, 600 BC ish in that range. And um, and then through up up to up to about five um, five hundred and twenty BC. So there's about a hundred year period that's very well documented, and that includes the the um, several uh, prophets who had um, UFO encounters. It seems, and that includes. Um, uh, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Daniel, and Zechariah specifically—they um, were all in in Babylon at the time, and all apparently saw uh, these metallic objects come down from the sky and um, some very strange things happening. Um, so I talk a lot about those. It's interesting though that uh, you mention um, this sort of connection with, with battle and with war. Um, out of the 45 separate UFO events in the Bible that I discuss, uh, there's actually more that, that, I, that didn't make it into the book, either because I wasn't aware of them yet, or, uh, or a few that I just didn't, I'm not ready to talk about. Uh, but there's 45 events that I do discuss in the book, Um, I would say that easily half of them uh, do seem to have some kind of a uh, wartime connection, whether it be directly military or or more of a political kind of a twist to it. Um, A lot of the prophets uh, are bringing political messages. um, And uh, I I would say most notably, um, King David in the Psalms, um, discusses the these cherubim he calls them, um, but at in, at some points there he says there are th- ten thousands upon ten thousands, and he describes them uh, coming down with force and um, uh, basically doing battle with uh, with helping out his side of of the uh, of a battle that was happening. So, very strange like we have uh literal and direct uh ufo intervention on the battlefield and that is described in several of the psalms
2: Uh, so give us some perspective about what do you think's going on here do you think that they're uh rendering some weapons uh useless uh do you think they are watching are they intervening
1: well in the case of david uh, they were definitely intervening um most of the other examples that that I've looked at are less direct. Um, however, there are there are other examples in the Book of Exodus and um, uh, and throughout the conquest of of Canaan, where the Israelites were taking over the land. Um, it's it's a little bit less explicit, but there are there's there's literally a thing that yahweh says he's sending in to uh to basically to bring um chemical warfare uh into into the land ahead of the uh the israelites coming in um so yeah it's there's there's definitely some strange things going on and and a lot of it has to do with um sort of like territorial um uh i guess who who is supposed to be here and and who's authorized to be in certain territories and things like that and there's there is some evidence although it's not like it's not really um, super clear uh, but there's some evidence that yahweh had a specific territory that was his and um and there were other gods who had other territories and at times they appeared to be um having some conflict around those territory assignments
2: so as far as the uh, story of ezekiel what did yeah. what what did he see
1: um well he describes um essentially he describes a lot of really strange things so yeah there's wheels he's talking about ra- round things um, now, we interpret it as wheels, but it doesn't specifically say wheels. uh, but it does. Uh, the language that he's using is is difficult to decipher. um but there are certain things that we can glean out of um, his descriptions. And so, uh, I think that it is it, rather inaccurate to say that it was a that it was literally a wheel with eyes on it, um uh, because I think that he is using. Um, some some terms that that are basically like not exact. Like I don't think he necessarily was seeing eyes, but something that looked like eyes. So whether that were, was cameras or or just lights or flashing lights, um, it's hard to say. Uh, but there's certainly a lot of room for interpretation around those descriptions. Now what I've done is I've rather than simply read one description. Um, I look at the, the encounters of Ezekiel. Uh, he had three encounters, and, um, and Isaiah also had several. And they basically use very similar language. And what you notice is, if you look at all of these, um, let, let's just look at these five examples of, of those two prophets. Uh, when you start to look at those, their encounters chronologically, and try to piece together the verbiage that they're using to describe what they're seeing. You notice that um, there's a bit of an evolution in how they describe it because it seems that they're kind of learning as they go. And so when the first time uh Ezekiel sees this thing, he he doesn't even really know how to describe it. He he's, you know, trying to put words together to make any kind of sense. Um, and he's baffled by it. Uh, later on, um, you see his understanding grow and he begins to use, um, more specific terminology. And in fact, he straight up says in, in one of the later encounters, um, I heard, uh, this item being called by this name. So it was, it's almost as though he were, um, in that case, he was kind of like in a, um, almost like a a hangar where where they were preparing for takeoff and he was able to hear um, like almost like if you imagine uh, a NASA uh, launch, they're saying things like, you know, um, uh, navigational systems go, you know, check engines, engines go, this kind of thing. And it sounds like he uh, was actually hearing something like that happening. And so that allowed him to put um, some specific words uh some some jargon onto some of the things that he was witnessing so as as you I kind of try to flush that out a little bit, and um by comparing those accounts uh, and considering them all as a, as a single phenomena, um, I believe it actually adds up and starts to make some sense
2: and in some cases, what did they witness the, the, the same UFO many times over. Yes,
1: but it doesn't always sound like it because they describe it slightly differently because as they're, as they're going, they're like, Oh, actually that was this. And so, yeah, it might not seem like it. If you, um, if you simply read those passages separately, but once you consider them all uh, together, I believe that they are describing the same craft multiple times.
2: Very, very interesting. As far as uh, some of those encounters, uh, one of those uh, encounters involved the uh, three wise men. Isn't that correct?
1: Um, yes. So the uh, the birth of Jesus in, uh, as described in Matthew uh, chapter one and two, um, there's actually uh, a couple of separate encounters, I guess, but. But um, uh, probably the same ship, uh, because you have the three wise men coming from the east and following this UFO that that is hovering, um, that is going slow enough that they can follow it from wherever they're coming from, which was fairly, quite far away. Like, it wasn't even uh, just a couple days journey, but a long journey. Um and and yet it was uh, low enough that that it would take them to a specific house, or at least a specific neighborhood. Um, so I don't know of any uh, celestial events that that happen both uh, slowly and can pinpoint a specific house.
2: I think you said there are what several dozen of these encounters uh, within the pages of the of the bible when you when you make that claim and if i'm not putting words in your mouth if that is indeed what you said do you get some resistance to that claim at all um you know i i fully expected to but
1: uh, so far i haven't really gotten any hate mail or anything so that's fine with me um and and you're right you're not putting words in my mouth i did say 45 separate events um and honestly there it's probably at least 50 um, and the the funny thing is that uh these are not isolated incidents, and they didn't occur just in one geographic location or one uh even in one era, but they occurred over a long time span um that according to my timeline that I'm putting together, which uh granted there's it's not precise, uh but from the best I can figure we're talking about an 11,000 year period uh where there are essentially they seem to be the same types of ufo craft uh, visiting earth on numerous occasions.
2: Uh, very interesting and this was a uh uh something that changed your perspective right as a christian because you didn't grow up believing this to be the case, right?
1: That's absolutely correct. Um I we were always taught that um uh, that these, these were encounters with God. Um, and, you know, it, there is a sense in that is true. I mean, uh, these are people who had a strange experience, and in many cases it was a spiritual experience um, of sorts. I mean, what do we mean by spiritual? I'm not really sure. Uh, but one thing is that it's important and it's life changing, um, and many many times it has a moral component, um, or you know ethics and and things like that, and you know what we should do. Um, so, in in those terms, um, these these are all spiritual experiences um, because in every one of these cases, the the experiencer was um was very much shocked and they they could not simply go about life uh the way that they had been um in many of the cases they uh they were so affected uh to actually change their name right after the encounter um so it really changes their identities and really sets them onto uh onto a path which which frankly is we are we are still um living with the repercussions because some of the people um who who were affected in this way uh are are key players in the in what we still have as major religions that are um you know they have billions of adherents that are they're that still following them so when you look at a guy like Abraham or a guy like Moses, um, these guys are still like, even though they're, they've been dead for thousands of years, they still hold a lot of power and a lot of sway uh, with the things that they said and uh, the things that they wrote.
2: We talked about divine intervention previous. And as far as that's concerned, what does uh, what kind of stories involve UFOs uh and divine intervention besides the ones you've already shared
1: yeah I mean, I mean, there's so many like um so i'll I will mention Abraham, even though in the bible um the uh, Abraham's encounter is not mentioned in the Bible, uh but it is merely hinted at hinted at because it basically says um, in the past tense or the past past perfect tense, actually it says. Uh, Abraham um, had an encounter, had, had, had. So it's like uh, Yahweh had come to Abraham and told him the message. Uh, And the the very strange part about that is that why isn't that story in the Bible? But it's not. Um, And, you know, uh, that may surprise people because we kind of think that it is in there. We think we know Abraham's story. Um, and you know you could point to um, Genesis um, I believe it is uh, ch- uh, I can't think of the chapter that it's in. Um, I should have it sitting here, but I, I don't see it um, anyway the uh, the there's a, there's a classic verse in the Bible that says, you know and um, Yahweh came to Abraham and told him to leave the land of of Ur. Uh, which is Sumer and uh, told him to go into another land. Um, But if you actually read it uh, and pay attention to each word, what you find is that that's not happening now in like when the story is taking place, it's he's referring to something that already happened and presumably was already written down. And the reader was supposed to already be aware of that story. So it, it kind of makes you wonder why that story was taken out or or how it got lost if it was such an important part of the story because it was really the key. Um, Abraham is like the, the father uh, of, of three religions. Um, so Judaism and Islam and Christianity, of course, all, uh, all see Abraham as uh, like the founding father of their religion. Um, And so the fact that his conversion um, is only hinted at and we don't actually get to see the details uh, smacks of conspiracy to me. And I'm not necessarily one to go down that road, but somewhere somebody has to have specifically taken that story
2: out. This one is very, very fascinating because I understand that you have dug up a story about some sort of dinner that was had on board an alien craft. I mean, it is the dinner hour now. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I'm interested. What kind of course was served?
1: Well, I don't know that, but this is a very bizarre story. So um, Moses is probably one of the most talked about people in, in the old Testament and probably in the entire Bible, aside from Jesus. Um, And uh, Moses in many ways is more important than Abraham. Because of his role in uh, leading the Israelites out of Egypt, out of out of slavery, and uh, and bringing uh, giving them the law, which which essentially is the Torah, um, and uh, really is the also the basis for Christianity um, in terms of the old covenant, and that Jesus comes and talks about that and brings a new covenant. But still, um, Moses is is a central figure, and, and the things that he uh, he did were uh, were critically important, uh, among which he's given credit for writing the first five books of the Bible: uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Um, and so, Genesis and Exodus, of course, being uh, being extremely important books in terms of um, uh, you know telling about even the creation of man and the creation of the world and and how we have culture and all that stuff. So um so i've heard millions of well, millions maybe not millions i've heard thousands and i'm not exaggerating here um of uh of sermons involving moses as as have probably most christians and and most jews as well um so the it, I couldn't believe my eyes when I was reading, uh, the book of Exodus and there was, well, there was a lot of things that, that jumped out at me as well. Wait a minute. That's not, that's not how this story goes, <laughs> but I'm reading it. So, um, one of the craziest things, um, takes place in Exodus chapter 14. And, um, this is the story of, uh, moses going up mount sinai um and we all know about moses going up mount sinai he goes up and he gets the 10 commandments and he comes back down uh then he smashes them he goes up again and has to do it so he goes up twice right wrong moses goes up mount sinai seven times at least um possibly six it's between six and eight um there's a little bit of uh We can't tell exactly because of the language being a little bit um, fluid sometimes. Uh, But he on on one of the trips up, and I believe it was the fourth or fifth trip up um, before they got the uh, before uh, they got the Ten Commandments. um, Yahweh actually told Moses to bring a whole bunch of people with him, and it was the seventy elders of Israel. And so he he had already been going up and down a couple times, and he had his kind of cork uh, posse. He's got um, his brother Aaron, um, and he's got uh, Joshua, and he's got um, a couple of priests and stuff. So there was like five other guys who were probably with him but weren't named on this specific um, uh, verse. Uh, But it does say, come, come on up and bring the 70 uh, elders, so you've got Moses, you've got seventy elders and probably five other guys. So there's I think seventy six people. Um, they go up Mount Sinai and we we see a lot of details about what happens up there, and um it's very strange. so it says that they um they supped with the Elohim, and uh, of course, the Elohim is a plural, and it. Uh, many people translate it as God, but it's plural. So maybe it's gods, but even then um, Elohim, um, it's just a word and uh, there's the root word is L, which um, some people translate that as like the powerful ones, which is kind of like the gods, right? Um, But actually the word L which is the the ultimate root of this word, um, simply means to, and uh, like as in going to someplace. And any word ending with im uh, means the people who did whatever, and then it refers to the root word. So in this case, Elohim, literally, the literal translation of Elohim is the people who came to, to where? Well, to here, to here, to to Earth. So the implication is that they are extraterrestrial beings who came from somewhere else and came to Earth. Um, so now we have seventy-five uh, humans and an unspecified number of extraterrestrials. And the and in this in this Bible verse, it tells us that they sat down and they had dinner. Um, it talks about the chairs and the tables and stuff like that. But what it really is, strangely, the the most time is spent on describing how beautiful the floor is. Well, if you're up on a mountain um, and you're sitting down to have dinner, uh, well, A, there's no tables and chairs, probably. And there certainly isn't a floor. And what they talk about um, in terms of that floor is that it's blue and sparkling and shiny well i don't know of any mountains that have a naturally occurring shiny blue floor where you can sit and have a have a dinner party of 70 or or up to 100 people um so from that clue it seems like they're in a ship uh which of course um reading the rest of the book of exodus you can see uh, the the occasions where the first time uh, the Elohim arrive, they come. There's this thunder. There's we got to wrap um, it up,
2: Ken. I'm sorry, we are out of time. Okay, your closing. Comment? Oh yeah, okay,
1: sure. Hey, thanks. I was it was great to be here.
2: Fantastic. Uh, your website is what? Uh, dimensionfold.com. And the whoop the uh, book is UFOs in the Bible. He is Ken Goodsward. I appreciate you coming on the program. Yeah, thanks for having me. Keep your eyes to the skies, friends. You never know what you might see. From the cold, dark depths of a secret dungeon somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest, I'm Jeremy Scott. Good night.